Hi, everybody. My name is David Irvin, and I want to welcome you to our inaugural podcast session on the physiology of leadership. So we're going to start by just introducing ourselves and letting you know what our intentions are in this podcast and what's in store for you as a listener here. I have been, for those of you who don't know me, I've been involved in the leadership development field for more than 35 years. My work is around supporting and guiding leaders to their authentic self so that they can build organizations that inspire people, that engage people, that can really create systems, organizations where they work and be the best to help their teams be the best they can be and, and ultimately express who they are fully. And what I've noticed in this journey is the first step to creating a great culture is you gotta make it safe. You have to make it safe for people to be who they are. I don't know if you've ever worked in a place where you can't be who you are and you have to leave who you are at the door. And it isn't a place that you can be uh, your best self, if you will, not to mention just yourself. And I've noticed that the obviously the positional leader has an impact on that culture. And I'm very curious about the impact of, first of all, our parents. Most of us lead the way that we were parented. This is our, these are our first leaders in our life, are our parents. And what I notice is that unresolved trauma from parenting or unacknowledged grief or unacknowledged anxiety or pressure or stress and an inability to deal with that impacts a leader and then impacts the way that they lead and impacts the way that they show up in their workplace. And so I have been curious for a number of years of how these outside factors that leaders bring into the organization impact their work as a leader. And I've been fascinated by the notion of what's happening inside of a body, what's happening in your mind, what's happening in your brain that impacts the way that you influence others. And I am just delighted to introduce you this morning to my colleague and good friend, Dr. Sarah Cloutier, who's, who is very, who's a family physician and very passionate and interested in the whole physiology, obviously, of the human being. And what I'm passionate about is to come together and see if we might integrate some ideas around the impact on the body and the, how that integrates into the work of leadership. And so we have called this podcast, The Physiology of Leadership. So Sarah, that's a longer introduction than we probably had planned for, but I wanna welcome you and join you on our team here and just share with us where you're at with this and what some of your reflections are, a little bit about you and what some of your reactions are to what I just expressed. Thanks, David. I'm happy to be here. So like David said, I'm a physician. I've been in uh, family medicine for the past eight years. And for the past almost five years, I've also worked in the executive health space. And what's become more and more apparent to me as time goes on is that health doesn't just happen between the four walls of a doctor's office. What really determines health and wellness is how we live our lives every day. So how we think, um, how we process and express our emotions, 
the behaviors that those thoughts and emotions drive, how we are in relationship with other people, and also the cultures in which we work and live. And all of this is in the context of our genetic predisposition for disease and the greater context of the planet on which we live and the health of that planet. But as I move forward, I've just become so interested in how do we actually produce healthy lifestyles to maintain health and wellness instead of just chasing, chasing disease and reacting to disease with lab tests and pharmaceuticals. So I'm super happy to be here. I first met David because I attended one of his uh, weekend retreats and it became so apparent to me that he's not only changing workspaces, he's changing how people live their lives and their health. And so I was super motivated to work with him from that, that moment on. And I'm glad we're finally here having these discussions. Well, that's beautiful. Now, what impact, Sarah, if you look at self-awareness, why do you think it's important for a leader in an organization to be self-aware, to be aware? And, and maybe we should define even what self-awareness is. Sure. Um, so from a physician's perspective, how would you define self-awareness? So for me, self-awareness is really about knowing what you're thinking and what you're feeling and ideally why you're feeling those things. Although sometimes that comes later and that takes a lot of reflection and introspection, but how that emotional state is affecting your body and driving your behaviors. And then importantly, how all of that is affecting the people that you're in contact with on a daily basis. So to me, that's really, that's what self-awareness is, is all of those things. And then if we integrate that into what, how I see self-awareness, which is to be aware of how we're coming across to others, mm -hmm. how we are impacting others. Oftentimes we live in this state. What happens if we grew up with trauma, for example, that we're, that is not, we're going to be talking about this in much more detail. What happens if we grew up with trauma? What happens if we have unacknowledged anxiety? And then we bring that into the workplace. And I've seen leaders all the time who walk around and they say, I don't see what the big deal is. You know, uh, you know, one an employee would give feedback that says, you know what, you're raising your temper and I don't feel safe here. And I feel anxious just working with you. So when I meet with the employee, that's the feedback that I get. And when I meet with the positional leader, what I hear is, I don't see what the big deal is. I'm just giving directions. I'm just helping clarify what the expectations are here. And they don't see the impact of their behavior. And so for me, self-awareness is to step back and really acknowledge when other people are in, how other people are impacted by the choices and the actions that you make. So what does that have to do with physiology? Well, it has everything to do with physiology because we can't have a thought or an emotion without affecting our internal state. So our mind and body are completely connected. They're completely integrated. So it's really our, our emotions that drive our physiology. And so when you're in that stress response, it'll affect every single cell in your body. And we'll have these automatic behavioral responses that sometimes we're not even aware of. And so if you don't recognize what sort of state you're moving about your world in, you could constantly be in a fight or flight state or a stress response 
that's not allowing you to heal, repair your cells, um, and rejuvenate and fight disease. So that's one thing. The other piece of this is that we're literally wired to connect. So we are social human beings, and this is just developed from an evolutionary standpoint. And we have these cells in our brain called mirror neurons. And so we're wired to connect and to pick up on what other people are feeling. So if you have a leader or even an employee in your workplace that comes in and has no self-awareness and doesn't emotionally regulate, everybody else in that space, whether they want to or not, will pick up on that and that will directly affect their physiology as well. And if they don't have the awareness to really sort of center and prevent this from happening, that can impact the health of everybody in that workplace. And I see this all the time in my work. I deal with a lot of executives and culture matters and culture starts at the top. So it's imperative that leaders know what's going on in themselves, not only to maintain their health and longevity, but to really create a place that's healthy and where people can be creative and as productive and functional as possible. But what you're saying, Sarah, is that, for example, um, I can take my own exam. I can, I'll take my own life here as a case study. So the trauma that I lived in growing up, I lived with wonderful parents who were caring and supportive and encouraging, but there was also, they brought in their own pain into that relationship. And I lived with some trauma and some rage. And when you live with trauma, it can, it might only happen. Rage can, may only happen once a month, but you live in it all the time mm-hmm. because you never know when the next shoe is going to drop. I always say with uh, with uh, rage in a family and violence in a family, if parents would schedule it, it would be a whole lot easier. So if my mother could have said, you know, uh, on, on Tuesday morning, be careful because when I, when I come home from work on Friday, I'm going to go into a rage. So you might plan accordingly. Don't take it personally and just protect yourself so that you don't get hurt. And I could plan for it and she would develop strategies. But of course, emotional impulse doesn't work that way. We just spew inadvertently. And so I believe that I was raised in a state of high anxiety, that stress, which we'll talk more about here, that fight or flight response. I lived in it constantly, constantly on guard. And so it feels normal for me to have a state of anxiety. And so I need to get self-awareness that that is not only unhealthy, and I've had to work very intentionally and very mindfully with this in my own life, because um, if, I'm not, if I don't stop and really be aware, that is a stress response. That Absolutely. at the time was survival for me. It was an important response. But now that I've stayed in it, it can feel normal. So I can bring that stress response into my team and people feel tense around me, particularly when it gets triggered in this, in this COVID age, which I'm very susceptible to. It can get triggered, but I don't even see it in me because it's just right. normal. So right, right. what I am, would like to leave our listeners with this morning, uh, today, is in this session, is to have people get some feedback from an important people that trust them and that they trust to say, no, this is, this is a stress response and it's not helpful so that they can start to really be open for hearing when they're in a stressful situation that they may be blind to because of familiarity. 
Absolutely. What would you suggest from a physiological perspective might be helpful for people to, what would be some beginning first steps physiologically to help us move us toward more self-awareness? I think the first thing I just want to touch on is that we have to be super compassionate with ourselves and with each other because trauma is pervasive in our culture and so many more people than we realize have experienced trauma in childhood or in early adulthood or in, in their home relationships. And until you're aware of this, there's little you can do about it. So don't beat yourself up if you get this feedback. Um, the other thing that happens is if you've had trauma in your life before, your brain's always looking for danger. Your brain is literally wired to keep you safe. That's its job and it's scanning your environment. And if you get triggered by something that might have been dangerous for you in the past as a child, your brain will go into this protect response and you'll have automatic behaviors that you're not even aware of. And what will happen is the right side of your brain that's meant for emotional expression, creativity, those sorts of things will light up and will literally hijack the left side of your brain that allows us to plan, to um, reason logically, to put things into sequential order, that will downregulate, and people will just have this huge response and not even be aware of it and then come to the other side of it and not know why it happened. And then people start looking for reasons, right? People to blame or something to justify this behavior that they don't even understand. And so in order to start recognizing when this happens, I think one, we need to be open to feedback because it's hard if we're used to that, that's our norm. It's hard to recognize that it's not just who we are. There's a reason we're acting this way. The second thing is to really just slow down and start to move into your body. And I will talk about this at length in other sessions, but to just start breathing. So the breath, I mean, people talk about it all the time, but there's physiologic evidence that if you just breathe your inhale and then a slow, long exhale, that will help downregulate this fight or flight response and move you into a place of calm. And once you're in a place of calm, you can start really feeling into your body and your body will start telling you when you're moving into that response, when you've been triggered. You can feel your heart rate going up. You can feel your breath getting more quick and shallow. Your muscles tighten. You know, your facial expression will change. Maybe you get jaw pain because you're grimacing or clenching. But until you slow down and recognize that this might be a pattern that controls how you behave, it's really hard to recognize these things. So a couple of things that really stand out for me is this notion of compassion, that this is about not judging ourselves, that, that if we find our, if we, if we find some hard feedback to be, you know, to be grateful that we're getting some feedback and some gratitude that, hey, this was a stress response for survival at some point in my yeah. life that's no longer useful, but to appreciate that there was, a, that it, it, it served a purpose. It may have been now, oh, you, you know, I don't need to be anxious today the way that I was when I was 10 years old, but I need to stop and compassionately remember that. The other thing I heard in this is to bring curiosity to this. Mm -hmm. we're going we're gonna to actually go through a journey here in this podcast series where we're going to walk through a variety of scenes and scenarios and so, you know, to deepen this self-awareness, to understand the physiology of stress, to understand how this whole COVID situation might be impacting us and how it's impacting our leadership. 
But the, the most important quality is compassion and then also uh, curiosity to say, hmm, how is my behavior impacting people? What is the effect of my choices and my actions? Well, how is stress impacting me right now? And it's for the betterment of our, not just our leadership, but our overall health and well-being. Anything you would add to that? No, I think that's a great start for today. All right. Well, I look forward to taking this journey, uh, further going further along this journey with you, Sarah. And it's just a real pleasure to work with you. And thanks for joining us, everybody. Thanks.